You were with us for episode 12 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. Podcast? Podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. Uh, here we are shooting in downtown Hamilton at uh, St. James Espresso Bar and Eatery, and I am joined today by Miss Emily O'Brien. Emily, how are you? Really good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on. I, uh, we were joking. You are one of the many people that have come on having never met each other, uh, just out of word of mouth from a mutual friend, and you were cool enough to come on, so I applaud you for that. Cool marks already. <laughs> um, so I, uh, we're going to get right into it. We said 60 minutes. We're going to bang it out. Uh, so we're going to kind of start biting into the big food right now. Um, Emily O'Brien, you are known for um, some pretty awesome exploits that you're doing right now with your business, but your story of how you got there uh, you, uh, and the story of how you were involved with the show on 5TV called Sleepers, uh, how your story led you to these pretty unique, surreal uh, situation. So um, I'm not going to have any leading questions and even say anything. I want to hear the story of how Emily O'Brien um, became the Emily O'Brien we're here talking to right now on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, I was born in, in this city, Hamilton, Ontario. I was had a great you know, childhood. Two sisters, one older, one younger, great parents. I was always in sports. I was going to the library. Nothing, nothing wrong. It was great. Um, no drama, no trauma. No, but I was actually pretty introverted. Okay. So like I didn't have a lot of friends and that kind of led to some bullying, some like social anxiety. Um, and then that's what led to kind of me experimenting with alcohol in high school and then experimenting a little too much in high school, you know, cause, causing a lot of tension within my family. Um, but I also knew that I was, I could do better and that I would, if I want to get good grades, I could. Right. So I called it like strategic procrastination. So I was like, all right, grades 11 and 12, that's what matters to get into university. So were you one of those types that could do very little and get on the, on the honor roll? No, no. You actually had to work for it? No, I did very little when I knew it could do very little. Like okay. when I could get away with 60s and 50s. Okay. Um, so you cranked the engines in the last two years? Yeah, okay. absolutely. What high school did you go to? Can I, can I ask that? Saint Mar- yeah, St. Mary's and then Westdale. I went to St. Mary's. But I'm old, so I graduated in 96. What'd you graduate? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... I'm 32 now, so... I'm 43. Okay. So, okay. So, uh, <laughs> high school, when, when you say you're high school, you, you were starting to drink a little bit too much. Like, how, how far along into high school were you talking? Um, I think, like, I would go... I'd get people to, like, buy me alcohol from the LCBO, and then I would have raging parties. Like grade 9, grade 10? Yeah, okay. like, when my parents went away, and okay. we would go to, like, very extreme measures to have the best parties. Like, we would take my mom's china out of the house, <laughs> like, and people would, like, torture the house sitter. Um, I had to write apology letters to the neighbors after these parties. <laughs> wow, so you had, like, legendary parties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or we were just, like, really bad behaved. Like, I don't think I let that many people in because I was too scared, but, like, the people that were there, we were just wild. <laughs> you did it right. Okay. <laughs> so, high school, you graduated, and uh, where does the story continue on from there in terms of... Uh, I went to Guelph University. Okay. Yep. I didn't get into my program of choice at the time because my math grades weren't good enough, and, like, I'll, I'll mention this later on in the story in relation to Comeback Snacks, but, yeah, I wasn't... I thought I wasn't smart enough to get into nutrition because I really wanted to be in that. So I was like, oh, well, I've always loved traveling. And I, I went on, I, I took a gap year between high school and university okay. and went to Costa Rica by myself, 18 years old, just went. My mom wouldn't even let me bring my digital camera. She's like, you're going to lose it. It's going to get ruined. And then I had to bring three disposable cameras and none of the film came through. Oh, man. Because it got affected by the The dampness altitude. and the heat? Oh, the yeah. altitude. Okay. Never even thought about that. 
Yeah. So it was like, it was super fun. That's when I knew that I loved traveling and, and helping others and just experiencing different cultures. And I didn't even think there was a career in that until I saw wow. the offering at Guelph and I applied and I got in. Very cool. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Costa Rica, you're young. Obviously you're ambitious and fearless. You're traveling on your own. My wife did the same thing in Europe. She was, as soon as she could, she was gone. Um, when, <laughs> when did we start getting into the, the, the movie script types of scenarios happening where your life started getting really interesting? Um, well, sleepers involves drugs and I tried drugs for the first time in high school. Okay. Um, but you can't afford it in high school. Right. Like, you can afford Molly, which is like our ecstasy, which is like 10 bucks, but yeah. you can't afford cocaine, which was like my drug of choice. What's, what's the street value of cocaine? I have no idea. I eat Big Macs and that's, that's my choice. I don't know anything about cocaine. Like what, how does it work? What's the um, breakdown of pricing? Like the, the like staple buying quantity is a gram. Okay. For personal use. So okay. that's about a hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. And that's gone how quickly? I guess it depends on how much. It depends on, yeah, it depends on a lot of things. Like I, it depends like on the quality of it, but normally there's, sometimes there's also like two prices. Sometimes there's $80 cocaine and sometimes there's a hundred dollar cocaine. And there's, there's some difference. people like the speedier stuff that's more speedier, but it's cut more. So the hundred dollars. So let's talk layman's terms. <laughs> cut more means. Um, just cut with different. So it's, it's not pure as pure as it could be. Oh, there's nothing that's pure here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is like, I'm speaking a different language here. This is great. <laughs> okay. So when did, when, when did it start getting scary and, and the trouble start to begin for you from that point? That would be after I graduated university and had moved to Toronto okay. and had started like my own business in social media. Also was experiencing like a, a very upsetting family fracture and you know I hear this I heard this day in and day out like you know you're too old to be sad about this and blah 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 but there's no such thing as being too old to be sad about people that you love splitting apart right and then being sad about that right it doesn't matter how, how no I almost said fuck can I say fuck yeah of course oh. so. it's a, it's a, <laughs> like, is this it says explicit on the uh oh yeah, we're good explicit we're good <laughs> okay so yeah so you're dealing with some shit and uh but at the same time, it was also very um, enveloped in the world that I was working in. It was enveloped in the place that I, I was living in Liberty Village. Okay. And it was everywhere, you know. Drug, like, drug use. Yeah. And like you, on our floor, it was like you could go to any, like, you could hear the parties happening. Okay. Now, in Toronto, you were, you were employed as, you were in social media. That's, that's what your primary yeah. function was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about how you ended up getting pinched and, like, you ended up getting sure. into trouble with the law. How yeah. did, how did uh, that break down? I went on a, like a, so throughout like the time that my parents had split up, this was 2013, 2014, I had met this guy through my work and, you know, he was actually really nice and awesome. And he actually had gone through allegedly like a former substance abuse problem. He, he's like, Emily, you don't need this. Like hang out with me more. Like, you know what I mean? And I'll help you like stay on a, a better path. Like not, a, I wasn't even on a bad path because I was highly functioning. Right. But the times that I wasn't functioning, it was bad, right? So it was hard to say that I was actually on a bad path. What do you think's worse, being highly functional and having a problem or being an obvious problem? Mm, I think it's worse being highly functional. I would agree with you. Yes, for sure. Because then, like, you have no reason to stop. Right. And the road can be a lot longer because you can manage it better. Or shorter. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, and then so I met this this guy through my work, and he's awesome, and we developed this cool relationship. It wasn't like, 
it wasn't like this like full-fledged love affair, which is like what I've heard it described as mm. in the media, but it was just like we had had this thing. We trust each other, and I'd traveled a lot in my life, and he's like, let's go to let's go on a trip, um, but there's something I got to ask you first. I was like, okay. So he comes over to my apartment and asks me if I like want to bring drugs back with him. From where you were going? Yeah. And you said yes? No, I said absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah, and then he left my apartment, and then I went out that night, and then he knew I was out, and... He's like, I'm so sorry I asked that. I feel like such an idiot. Um, let's just go on this trip, me and you. And so I, you know, also 2 a.m. I, I also like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would give someone that they, they'd known and trusted for a while the benefit of the doubt that they'd said something stupid or asked something stupid. Right? And yep. I said, okay, sure. Um, and then we, he booked the tickets. And so I, he asked me for my passport, like when I got home. And then that was... I should have, obviously shouldn't have done that, but like shoulda, coulda, woulda, whatever. Right, right. I did it. Um, and then we left like two days later. It was like a very short departure. And where was it that you went again? St. Lucia. St. Lucia. And then but he told me we were going to Puerto Rico. Okay, so he tricked you into where you're going. And then you're in St. Lucia. But then he made me feel, another part of the story is he made me feel dumb for thinking that I had made a mistake and thinking it was Puerto Rico. So he was gaslighting you. Yes, I only just learned that, what that word meant this year, but... Okay, so I'm assuming he convinced you to mule something back to Canada. I no, I wouldn't say convinced. I mean, I didn't, like, want to do it. Like, it was within... The first three days were fine, and then the third day, he's like, you got to come meet my friends. Like, did you think it was all fun and games? And it, his demeanor just switched. And he's like, yeah, we're bringing drugs back. I already told him you're doing it. They already had my passport information because he booked the tickets. So you were held hostage, basically. Yeah, but it, it wasn't like violently. No, but I mean, you were in a you were in a sticky, awkward circumstance where you were in another country with a guy. Yeah. And he was basically all but forcing you to do this thing. Yeah, and I was just like, I was just scared. Like I, right. I was scared. I wanted to go home, and I didn't, I didn't smuggle the drugs drunk. Like I was completely sober when the whole act happened. Okay. Yeah. Now was this was this a one time thing and then you, and you got caught or was this a multiple thing and then it caught up to you? No, 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 one time thing. But that's also what a lot of people thought when I got caught too, which okay. was another reason why I spent so much time being angry. So you were the people thought you were this serial drug smuggler and it was like a one one off thing and of course you got pinched. Yeah, cuz I spent a lot of my time traveling. I went to Indonesia, like I went to like Peru, I went to Colombia and of course, like as soon as one bad thing happens, everyone is so easy to put like you're trying to tie their own. And the media established a, a, a thesis and a plot and a, and a whole story for you. No, the media didn't do that, actually. It was more like my friends. Like Real, people, really? Not friends, but like people, my acquaintances that were like, are you sure you hadn't done this? Word of mouth. Okay. And I'm like, fuck off. Interesting. Yeah. So was that in Toronto at Pearson when you got, okay, can you yeah. just, you know, I've been caught in some things and, and it's, you know, your heart falling to your feet. The whole thing of going, you know, cold sweats. The terror of being caught and being in trouble. What did that feel like when you realized, like, you've been had? Um, I honestly was, I knew that I had to tell the truth because I'm not going to lie to a border guard. Right. Especially after I've been bait and switched, not once, but twice. Because the second time he bait and switched me, he said um, when we landed, he would take the drugs off me and he would carry them like through customs. And then he didn't even do that. He's like, oh, it's too late now. Were you I'm the only not one? Even kidding you. Were, were you the only one that was caught? No, he was. He okay. Had to, yeah. Okay. What did that feel like? Actually relief. Really? That's yeah. interesting. And, but I get I, that. That was relief at the time. I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. In the I get that. Yeah. I don't know how many people would expect you to say that, but I get that. 
like it's over. It was a nightmare and you kind of kind of woke up and like the, yeah. the, the outcome is maybe worth it continuing. Yeah, I just like want to like get away from him. But also at the same time, I wasn't going to sabotage this whole operation because right. they weren't my drugs. I didn't know this world. I wasn't some hardened, right. like I had no experience. I just wanted to go home. Right. I, so. uh, that's crazy. <laughs> okay, I'm learning a ton because like I, that's not how I, I, I had expected it to have gone. That's it, very interesting. I'm saying hi to Oh, hey. An old friend of mine. Who's that? Um, he is uh, one of the original owners and investors of my restaurant we're sitting in. Oh. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> Mike, how are you doing, Mike? Uh, this is why I like shooting live here on the street. It's, you never, I'm sure there'll be an ambulance at some point. Um, so from that point on, were you whisked away to the, to the big house and you were being processed? And like, how, how, what, what did the next 48 hours look like for you after that? Um, so I was arrested by the... Um, CBSA. Okay. And then, and then I had to get like searched. They had to test the drugs. They didn't really ask me a lot of questions. Like this lady was in the room that I was in, but I also knew that I was just scared. I, I didn't know what to say. And I was just like, I just want to go home. That's mm -hmm. honestly what I said. And she's like, Oh, did you know you had it? And I was like, yeah, it was on me, Right. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. And then I had to stay in the, the airport basement for like a while. And then the, Toronto, like the Peel Police Department came, picked me up and took me to the local police department. And then I got taken to Vanier, which is like um, the detention center. Immediately? Uh, yeah, like within, yeah, yeah, within like- So the th there, was, there was no trial or kind of bail and you kind of waited for your court to start and, and then you went to jail, it was, it was immediate? No, I had to like, I was in jail for the weekend and then okay. that's when they called my parents and they're like, oh, your daughter's been arrested <sighs> at the airport. What, what were you more, uh, appalled at experiencing what your parents would think, what your friends would think, what the law was going to do to you. What, what was ringing in your ears in terms of fallout? That was, that was, that was a bigger fear for you. Um, I think I was really angry at myself. I was angry at him and I was also angry at just feeling so misunderstood when all I wanted to do was feel safe Man. in my own country. Interesting. Yeah. How'd your parents react? When they saw me, like, I remember seeing my mom and my dad in the courtroom, and they were just, they were very freshly separated. But the oh. fact that they came together for me was right. something that was even harder to watch, but the fact that they did it, and my mom just, like, seeing me, I think, alive, right. was, and she, I, like, it almost, like, made me cry, because right. I, I could barely even look at her. Yeah. But I did, yeah, because I just wanted her to like know that I saw her, or that I, right. and then um, I got they bailed me out together as a unit, um, and then I had to basically go on house arrest for two and a half years. How long ago did this happen? Three years. Uh, I was arrested in two thousand and fifteen. How do you feel talking about it? It's still fresh. No. 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 But you'll never forget like the things that your family does for you, or you shouldn't forget the things that your right. family does right. to you. I mean, it's easy to like forget like good things that happen, but like when you see how you actually impact people's lives and like the extent that they're going to go for you, right. it's like something you can't really forget. And like, that's what I want to kind of embody in my own personal life awesome. right? and in my future family, if awesome. I have one, it's like, be that parent, yeah. be those parents who my parents were. That kind of love that's very humbling and very like healing and wrecks you all at the same time. I've, I've been, I've been a recipient of that kind of love. It's, it's, it changes you Yeah, for sure. But it's like, you st I still had a lot of fucking work to do. Yeah. Like, I was, not, I was not getting off easy. Right. Even though a lot of people think it's like, oh, well, of course she like got out like this. Like, a, no, it was not fucking, I did not have the easy way out. Right. 
So were you young enough to not get that on your record, or were you old enough that you were to try it as an adult? Yeah, if you're over 18. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to dwell too long on this part, but but let's talk about being in prison. You were in prison, you said, was it a year that you said? I got a four-year sentence. And then, But you were, you were actually physically in the prison for what? For how long? One year. What was that like? Is it like TV, like the movies? I mean... Orange is the New Black? It's hard to say yes, and it's hard to say no. Yeah. Because there's obviously some similarities, but also a lot of differences. Was it hell? Was and it a, fine? And what prison is like is like also, it's like what is going on for you internally. Right. And that's something that you can't see on a television Interesting. Screen. So whatever you, whoever you are and whatever you're going through is amplified by your experience at, at jail, and it contributes to the experience. These are things I've never heard before. This is really cool. Um, was it not as bad as you thought it would be, or was it what you thought it would be and, or, or worse? What, where did it fall in terms of the reality of it? Um, every day was different, yeah. but I was, I, I kind of, when I knew that I was going in, um, I accepted it. And like, I knew that it, I got tired of fighting. Like I was on house arrest for two and a half years. I had to live, move out of my condo. I had inc- like incredibly high legal fees um, and then I had to still like run my business as if nothing had happened, live as if nothing had happened and, but not talk about it either. So I was like internally stifled right. yet dealing with the fact that I, I knew that I had fucked up, but I also knew that horrible things had been done to me, but that's not really what anyone else saw. This, this could sound so patronizing, but this, this is not meant to sound patronizing, patronizing as, at all. Are you a victim in this or are you guilty in this or are you 50-50? I think both, both, yeah. you know, but I spent the first little bit being like, I'm just a victim. And I spent a lot of time surrounding myself with people that said I was the victim and right. like, let get even like this and that. But I wasn't moving forward with that. Right. You know, like I, I knew that I had substance abuse issues and I, you know, I'd never planned any kind of operation like this. I, like, I don't want like I had a great job like I, and I love traveling. If anything, right. I valued my passport so much um can you travel now soon that's great soon, okay yeah but like you have to take accountability for for things that you do and it's not like this is the first incident that i'd caused issues with it in my family you know right. and it was just, this is just kind of like the pinnacle right and i was just lucky to be alive and lucky that my family supported still, me still had you yeah. but with strings attached it's like you got to fucking pull your socks up right and I, I don't blame them, and I'm so glad they did, because I'm a tough love kid. I need mm. that tough love. I'm not like, oh, I need, like, to be coddled. The coddling doesn't work for me. Yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. Um, I saw on your social that you were, I think, one or two meetings away with your parole officer, and then you were done. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. What's that like, a parole officer? Is it, is it just like, okay, are we done? Is it a patronizing experience, or are they part of the healing process? Like, how, how involved do they get with you? When is this going to be released? Sooner than later. So if you don't have to, maybe, maybe round two. Oh, yeah. can, uh, that, Any day after January sure. 15th and I'll let it rip. I think, I think you answered the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, is the, what is the last day of jail and knowing you're leaving out those doors feel like to you? Were you afraid to come out or no, were you ready? I was ready. Yeah. I was so excited. I was so excited. Like my mom was there to pick me up. Amazing. And- you know, we went to McDonald's. It, was that your first meal? I it love a happy it. Meal, what did yeah. you get? A happy meal? Yeah. I love it. Actually, I think when we were talking on the phone for the first time at Burger King eating something, that's funny. Um, oh yeah, that's so true. I think I was like chicken fries or something. Manufacturers, <laughs> I came to get some like popcorn chicken. 
That's awesome. Um, okay, and then so I want to get into the to the other side of this. So uh, house arrest, like how literal is that experience? Are you can you ever leave? You can. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I was very low risk. Like right. clearly they they saw my circumstance and they're like, okay, she's got very good supports. My parents and my parents' siblings, so my aunts and uncles had, you know, volunteered to be my their my surety. So okay. like anywhere I went I had to have like a written note unless I was going to work, right? But I always had to like stay at home. Um, I had no ankle bracelet, but um That's good. I've yeah. seen the size of those things. I <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So, and then my left leg would have been so much stronger than my right leg, like atrophy in the other side. (laughs) So does that mean when you're done your final parole visit, that's it? You're done? That's it. Amazing. And so when do you project? You said January? January 15th. My mom, or my mom's birthday is January 16th. So amazing. And I actually went into prison on January on her birthday. So I gave her the gift of like recovery, um, moving forward and like freedom for her birthday. So we were all... Not excited, but I kind of reframed the whole thing as going to camp. I was like, Mom, I've been to camp. Right. I've been away for months before, you know? So I think she was more scared than I was. Cause I, right. As a, like, people are just people. It doesn't matter where they are in the world. You, you see, like, crazy shit happen out here. Mm-hmm. Like, things are volatile no matter where you are. Yeah. As long as you're, like, a good person and a calm person and or as long as you can know how to just be with people, then it's... Yeah. You'll be okay. And as a parent myself of two kids, I would do... I understand the desire to do anything it would take to support and bring healing and, and wholeness to my child's scenario. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get that. So in the sleepers, in the sleepers um, trailer, one of the sound bites was you saying like, when you went to prison, you knew you were going to do something good, something special and mm-hmm. that you would build a business or an enterprise while you were there, which brings us to, I believe uh, what's known as the comeback snacks, comeback snacks company. Is that yeah, the official comeback snacks? What is comeback snacks? So good it's criminal. That's what it is. That's good. That's good. <laughs> You've said that a few times. No, not recently. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying like it's like it rolls up your tongue like a, like a real slogan. Mm. Uh, how many years has that been going now? I founded it inside prison in 2018. That's amazing. It's amazing to me what can be accomplished while in prison. Yeah, like that's one of the things that you have to do to like reframe your situation. I think we think that there's a firewall to the outside world if you're in prison and, and you can't like reach out to well, the world. There is a firewall. There's no internet. So. <laughs> there is no internet. No. So how did you build a business with no internet access? By reading. Cause remember I spent like my childhood reading. Okay. Yeah. And solving problems. So you learned how the ins and outs of business. No, but I knew how to start it. Like I could read enough books and I had like a prior business. That I, had, I had a social media company. Right. Right. And then um, I linked up with my my good friend, Ryan, because I he'd communicated with me when I was in there and we'd done some prior work together before I even went to prison. And he's like, I want I want to help you with this. So so he actually has like an undergrad in math. He's been to Ivy. um, So he knows like the operation. Okay. All right. But like he he's he's been amazing. But it's yeah, I started in there with like popcorn kernels and stamps. And then we would like use very untraditional method methods of building a business. Like we would write like business plans back to each other, not even business plans, but just like PDFs and like logo ideas through snail mail. I love it. <laughs> and you kept all that stuff, right? For memory yeah, sake. You can't build a business unless you build a brand in my right. opinion. Right. At least like one that has longevity. Okay. And, so yeah. what is comeback snacks? Um, it's a gourmet popcorn company for now, but it's gonna be gourmet. It's gonna be snack company. That's why we. That's why it's called snacks. But 
started as a gourmet popcorn company. And Amazing. I started not just because I've always loved popcorn, but also because when I was inside and I, was, I realized how much insecurity I had and others had about reentering the workforce and right. how misunderstood people were. And how also that I realized that I've, if I didn't have like my family and my support, it would be a very different trajectory for me. Like right. it would be very, very different. And the prison system does not offer you any stepping stones into recovery. They just offer you like, they just put you on like one of those like survivor, like, like totem poles and tell you to like, just bear it out until you can't and then expect you to do well. When that's, you leave. that's a great analogy. So were you wondering, Hey, what, what can I do for a business? Should I do X, Y, and Z? How did you land on? I mean, I know you like popcorn, but how did you go? This is the thing. It's popcorn and it's going to segue into other snacks. Like, how did you get there? For sure. Um, so th- we had like a Super Bowl. Food always brought people together right. in prison because in, in federal prison and women's, like in medium security and in minimum, we actually live in like little houses. Okay. Um, you have your own cell in the house, but you also have, there's a kitchen and everyone gets like a food allowance. And so you can order certain items off this list of items and mm. everyone can get different things. But that's what brought people together. And so one of those things that we could get on the food list was spices. And then there's also the canteen list, which you have to buy from, okay. which is like, you know, 20, it was like 2018 prices with like people have no money in there. So if you don't have people helping you out and sending you money in there, like good luck like, buying anything. Like, it's a joke. And then, so I would buy popcorn kernels up there and then use the spices. Um, we were that's having, so- yeah, we we're having a Super Bowl party and like we were all like making different things and someone made a, some popcorn, some butter on it, and someone put like stevia and cinnamon on it, and and then lemon pepper was like such a really good flavor, and I was like, this is so good. And then mm. there's also no healthy popcorn companies that I knew of, but also ones that did something other than just pop popcorn. That's that's great. Before we go continue on to that part of it, I want to go back to what you were saying about how food brings people together. One hundred percent, whether it's prison. A, sh- uh, a fishing vessel, a restaurant, a family, a crisis, food is, th- that's why I became a chef. That's why mm-hmm. I opened this business. It was like bring people together. And I, it's, um, it's interesting just that it, it, that scenario even reaches the, the depths of prison. You always see pr- people shaking each other and fighting and we get this like concept of what prison life is, but you never think about those hum- the, the humanity moments where like Doritos and popcorn and, you know, cupcakes bring people together that's that's a beautiful thing that's very very cool um so comeback snacks is doing what right now how is the business going good yeah good it's great i mean i didn't start it out as a business i started it as like a, a social mission to do something good like some people are like oh write a book and i was like why the fuck would i write a book i haven't done anything i i committed a crime because, of, you know, with someone else that was enabled by someone else, it was encouraged by someone else, but I still fucking did it. Right. Why, why would I be worthy to write a book? I haven't done anything. You know, but that's what I read in there. And then, um, so it started t- 2018. And then as soon as I got out, um, I started just, like, going, getting, like, small amounts from Bulk Barn and, like, experimenting with different spices from Bulk Barn. And then just experimenting on the stove. And then I would, like, as soon as I got out of the ha- halfway house, I would go to my mom's kitchen and my mom would come home from work and there would just be popcorn everywhere. 
like everywhere. Um, when I shared the story in the newspaper, like in the Spectator, I knew it wasn't gonna, I knew it wasn't gonna like be all love. But I was like, you know what? I don't really give a shit about what the other people say because I already know what they're gonna say because I've been dealing with the system for so long. Like that's mm-hmm. what the people that arrested you say. That's what the people in the guards in prison say. So if there's any. If the, like it, when it comes to being feisty, that's what I've been feisty about. Right. Just being like, ignore all that bullshit. Mm. So yeah, now we're, we went from being in a, my mom's kitchen very briefly because yeah. you can't actually sell product that you right. make in a kitchen yep. to a commercial kitchen in Hamilton, cool. Kitchen Collective. Yep. To, oh, is, is that where you were? Yeah. Right for, yeah. For a bit. And then, um, the Horn of Plenty in Dundas, yep. the, the original owner read about my story in the paper and his son now owns it. His name's Jason. And he was like, why don't you make it here and you can help us out with our social media. So we had a little barter system going on. Awesome. Yeah, and they had a full kit. And then two of our poppers were like donated by complete strangers. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, now we're a lot further. So what do you project for the next five years for the, for the, for the company? Now, before you answer that, is, is this your main driver right now in life? Like, are you fully behind this? This is like your full-time gig is the popcorn company or is this one of many things you're doing right now? Um, many, like there's a bunch of things okay. that I'm doing. Yeah, like I, I kind of stumbled upon these things because I didn't know it had value until people asked me to help them. Um, like people that their, you know, kids had been incarcerated. Like I know people that own really high-end restaurants in the area and their kid has been arrested and they don't want to tell anyone, mm. right? And that comes from like doing speaking engagements. And then there's also an area where it's like helping other people get jobs or helping people, you know, find their skills or be proud of their skills. Cause a lot of the time when you leave the system, you're not told that you have skills. You're just told what you did wrong. I want to commend you in the, in the sense that, um, you're normalizing something that's really shitty. And I think when you, when you mentioned that people who have a successful business have a child that is in a shameful scenario, they're coming to you for help because that's, I, I think people are more afraid of the shame. Mm-hmm. And the fallout and the and the ridicule uh, of it, rather than the actual crime itself, or it's on equal footing. And, and I and I just want to commend you like that because I've seen like you've inadvertently been thrust into um, a public figure of of bringing encouragement and information and and uh, restitution to the concepts of of the criminal thing. Um, that's a big deal because people need ointment on shame. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, oh, yeah. that's a big deal. Um, we're already, we already got 20 minutes left already. We're, we're, we're flying down. Uh, is it 20 minutes already? I have 30 on mine. Are you, how are you doing? You good for time? We've got 30 minutes. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Wait, can I go pee? Yeah, of course. And, uh, and then edit that out. Can we do that? Okay. To pee. Go for it. At least I'm allowed to. Sometimes in prison, you're not allowed to. You just gotta. <laughs> so Dan, can I just keep this on and you'll just connect it? Okay. <gasps> That's the first. I never had anybody do a breakfast bathroom break. <coughs> I don't want to play with it. <coughs> so, <coughs> you cut the camera at her <coughs> saying she had to go to the bathroom. <coughs> okay, so I'll just say we're back, kind of thing. You good? I don't understand how you have 20 minutes because I started recording and I'm at 31. Also, I don't need you to tell me because I forgot that I could see it. 
I think it's great, man. Awesome. We'll wait for our director to tell us when we're good. All right, we're back from the pee break. And that was a historical first, and uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time. So, yeah, I was just, um, we were just talking about how uh, the importance of, of putting shame to rest through just having the courage to just talk about it matter-of-factly. Have you noticed that, that you're, that you're actually a driving force in bringing healing to people? Um, Are yeah, you, I, I know that I help people, but I don't like to think I'm like solely responsible for it. You're definitely a part of it, though. I would have to say that. If a parent's reaching out to you, that means you've done something. Yeah. And that's, that's, I would say to you, only knowing you for 40 minutes. I mean, <laughs> don't let that fly over your head. That's, that's an important thing. Um, I, I was talking to a, 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 a war veteran a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he was an amputee. He lost both of his legs in a mine. And as a result of it, his life has taken a crazy trajectory. And he's done some incredible exploits and um Major, major pitfalls, but even bigger wins and um, glorious moments in his life. And I asked him, <clears throat> excuse me, was, was what happened to you the best thing or the worst thing? And, and, and I want to ask you the same thing. Like, would you say it's equal billing, good and bad? Or I wouldn't is it- say what happened to me. I think like what, it was a combination between like what I did to myself and what actually happened to me. It was like a synergy of... Right. External factors and internal, I don't know, not even internal, but just like combination of both. Yeah. Right? Because before, like, like I said before, like I'm like, a, I need tough love. And sometimes I, I push the envelope or I, or, or I like ignore things. What shaped you as being that kid that needed tough love? Because you said you had a good, I've, learned, I've also learned as a parent, no matter how much you try, your child has their own personality. I think it was sport, being raised in competitive sport. Yeah. Yeah. I played basketball. I played okay. you know, soccer, baseball. It's not really, you can't be like, Oh, good try. It's so you were a frisky tomboy. Killer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got so many technical fouls. <laughs> Yellow card. Emily. Foul it out. <clears throat> okay. So comeback snacks is obviously doing well. And, um, I believe I was asking you like your projection for the next five years. Like you, you want to keep pushing the offerings from popcorn to a wider range of stuff. Yeah. And then also like expanding country wise. So cool. we've already got our trademarks for the U S Awesome. As well, so. How long till you're on Oprah talking about it? I don't know. Just or, when I get my U.S. waiver. Or, or, or the view. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's. I don't know if I'm, I think it's a little too sassy for the view. What do you might think? Might be. It might be. Eh. You know, but this is the kind of story that's attached to a good product that people want to hear about. So I'm interested to watch for that. Um, you were going to say something? Oh, I was also going to say, like, eventually we're want to build, like a, like, a grant program. Cool. So for people that want to start their own businesses that have difficulty getting funding, and this is another thing that I realized along the way, starting a business with, with coming out of prison. It's right. very difficult to, like, we, to get any, any kind of credit. It's Often hard. you come out with no credit. It's hard, period. Never mind that. Yeah, yeah. you get, like, you know, your business insurance is higher. Right. Um, your parole conditions often deter you or make it very, very challenging to go where you want to, when you want to. You don't have to prove that what you're doing you have to prove yourself, but like no one believes in you right away. Right. So, but I guess that's true for entrepreneurship anyway. So. It is. It is. <laughs> there, there are many times where you feel like you're in trouble when you're asking for help, even if you have done nothing wrong. But that's, yeah. that's funny. I wonder how much our scenarios were really different. Actually, yeah. we were very lucky, but yeah. Um, is there a storefront right now for it? Or yeah, is it- we have one actually. Like we, we're in a bunch of 
stores like across the country, but okay. I just like opened my first one in not April, July. That's when the lockdown ended. Where's that? It's 302 Main Street West. I share it with I drove, Max. I drove past yeah. that and I'm like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Okay, so that's that's it. Okay. Wasn't a mirage, darling. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Sleepers that's on 5TV. How did... Uh, how did that come about with you being reached out to share your story? Because you're, you're, you're sharing the screen with some pretty incredible stories on that. And you're one of them. How did yeah. that happen? Um, so the first article that came out uh, about my story was, I think a couple months after I got, it. I think it was in January of 2019. And it was written by Natalie Patton, who I went to high school with. And I was like, the, on the only way I'm going to share this is if I share it with someone who has known me in my mm. past Right, who's willing to like look deeper and share mm. the whole story? And it was a, a ph she wrote it phenomenal. Smart. It was one of like the top read stories of the year. Um, people actually read the whole article. Like you could tell on the right online, like that people actually read the whole thing. So, and then um, I got this LinkedIn message from Ryan Furlong, and he's like, "Oh, have you ever thought about doing a documentary?" I'm like, "No, like I didn't even think I was that important." You know what I mean? And so I met up with him, and turns out we have like family friends. So mm -hmm. our families have known each other for a long time. And he came up with this idea, and then he had former history uh, working with Bell. Mm -hmm. And so we, we pitched it, and we we got the funding, but then we also needed like additional support because it was just it takes so much work to make like a 60 minute segment. He and was on the show and he was just talking about the length of time and the, the work involved of launching. Yeah. yeah we went to so many meetings, but like we went together, like we did, we, like we, we will call each other and we're like, let's go, let's do this. So that's cool. And I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I just wanted okay. to, I wanted to find out if this is the thing. So you were not just a guest on the, the documentary. You were part of the driving force of getting it produced and, yeah, and coming to life. Yeah. That's cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. And like, I, I believed in it and, we kind of, we both have like pretty extensive networks in, in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of were like, we both believed in it. And then it expanded into three episodes. Yep. And we went, we spent almost a year trying to like find people that would, that would do it, that were willing to do it. And yeah, it was, That's it was wild. good, but it was, it was fun. Like it was tireless or not tireless. It was tiring. And it <laughs> almost seemed like we'd never get there. Labor of love. Yeah. So what kind of response have you been getting as a result of it? I mean, you've already had a, a lot of fanfare prior to this uh, release. Has ha, Is it still growing for you, like in terms of people reaching out and wanting to know more about it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like um, it's on Bell 5 for the next couple of weeks. So we still have to roll out some like public um, press releases, <coughs> like some things with eTalk and stuff. And then we're actually going to... Um, screen it at local theaters and raise money for St. Joseph's because they also were a part of this. Like we wanted to help raise money for people that had struggled with addiction, substance use and, and came out the, the other side. Amazing. Tom, Tom Wilson, uh, thanks to Ryan, uh, for along who's gotten me you to come sit here. And now Tom Wilson's going to yeah. be on the show too. So, uh, some incredible stories. Yeah. So like I said, you, you share some pretty great company. Uh, were you, well, I'm, I'm I, I doubt you were because you had such an involvement with it, but was it hard for you to officially tell that story in front of a camera that would be solidified for all time for people to see? It was harder because it was like two hours on on camera, on film, in front of a bunch of different people. Right. Right? So, and like Ryan's looking at me, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what, am I saying the right thing, you know? And then I got like nervous because like the lights are on you. Right. And everything. And But he, he did a great job. So, like, it's easier to... Talk about your story when in like five, 10, 20 minutes. Cause right. that's, sometimes that's all the time you have. Mm -hmm. But when it's like you just tell it like it is, and then he would ask tough questions and 
you know, you, have to, you actually have to think about them. So it's, it was hard, but it, it felt good. Like it's part of healing. Yeah. All right. Are you, do you do uh, counseling as a result of what you've gone through? Or did you kind of heal yourself through just living and doing? No, because you can't really find a counselor for someone that hasn't been through what you've gone through, in my personal opinion. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I found my own therapy through my family. So through, you, you've through, done this organically? Yeah, through, through, like, working out, through fitness, through music. Like, I honestly found therapy through everything <clears throat> that I used to love as a kid. I just brought that back into my life. That's Books, great. reading, running. Being with my family, baking, you know, and just trying new things. Very cool. I wasn't expecting you to say that. That's cool. That's amazing. So you've you've accomplished a lot in the last five years, and you're not even what? You're not even 25 yet. You said how old are you? 32, honey. What? Where did I get 25 from? I don't know. Probably an article. That okay, said you're my age so wrong. you're still you're still you're still young, and and. You know, but I, of, I look like I'm 26 because you look younger than. That's what good health does to you. Uh, <laughs> True. Well, that's true. Um, so, have you seen the pictures of me at 26? It was a disaster. Were you? Well, not a disaster, but it was, I definitely feel better now. <laughs> uh, what? What's next for Emily O'Brien? Like, what are you in your heart of hearts? What are you? You've accomplished a lot. Asking that question is kind of silly because you're doing a lot right now. But is there is there a big dream ahead of you that maybe you're you're shy to talk about that may seem outlandish or is there like what, no, what I'm are you shy to talk about my dreams because if you don't talk about them people will, you won't know what how people can help you what do you want to do what else what else can you see yourself doing in the next 10 to 20 years um when i'm done my <laughs> sentence i'm gonna get my passport back and eventually i want to like do a tour like around pr different prisons in the world and get and give talks um awesome. yeah and like I said, I want to start that fund. Um, I've developed relationships with like big banks now to help them develop funds for people coming out of incarceration. Wow. And stuff. So it's just building those relationships because within like internally, you can only do so much like with it, like in terms of a capacity to hire. Right. Right. And, and provide funding to people's ventures. But then the more work that you do and you prove that it works um, every day, then that's when people say, okay, this actually does work. And then the more that you're honest about your life, mm. That's when you're like, okay, actually, I know someone, or, or it happened to me, or, or this happened to my daughter, or I've struggled with something similar. Like, the more honest you are, like, that's your biggest assets. Secrets are, is a, are like a liability. Mm, that's good. Yes, I agree. So. Uh, I mean, you've, it's clear you've learned a lot, but what would you say is one of the biggest lessons you've learned in these last five years about Number one, yourself, and number one, about just life in general. What, what, what have you come to understand more? I think about myself, it's that <laughs> I already knew that I was feisty as hell and, like, put that energy into, like, bad feistiness when I was mad. So once, but once I learned how to harness that feistiness to do something good, like, that's when I could truly become unstoppable and, and abandoned anger and, and hate and trying to get revenge. Mm. Because um, we all want that, and sometimes it's encouraged when, when we're done wrong, right? Or when we feel like we are being understood, right? Or, or we feel mm -hmm. like people are just making it bullshit. Right. Right, so. Have you made, have you made peace and forgiven the guy responsible for? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Oh, for sure. How long did that take? Um, honestly, I forgave him, like, the day, probably the day I went to jail, because I was like, this is a waste of time, Karen. Wow. 
How can you be mad about someone like for that long? You just, you, you, it's draining. It's funny. We're, we're winding down here. We got about 50 minutes left. I watching you speak. You're very casual about some pretty incredible exploits. <laughs> I don't know if you really realize the gravity of what you've gone through. And I mean, of course you, you, you have, but the, the, the weight that you carry and the platform that you have, you seem so nonchalant about it, but you've done more than most. It's pretty amazing. But it's also been like seven years. So, right. so you, but this wasn't like, it did not happen instantly. Right. Right. And I was, I spent a, like a year and a half being angry. Right. We're seeing, we're seeing the end result of that. That That's true. Uh, how do you feel about giving public speaking? Like, do you, do you come by, um, communicating to a people staring at you easily or was that a, was that a road for you that was hard no it was actually really easy you enjoy it yeah you know it was so hard when the pandemic happened and i had to go on zoom and speak to my computer right. screen right that's the worst right how, how has the uh pandemic been for you um honestly as a human as a human I've, I've already been kind of confined in a system since right. 2015 where people are watching what you do control what you do doubt you um and confine yeah like i said like restrict you in in different ways that was a stupid question you've been in lockdown for pretty much yeah so just being but what i learned from prison it was like actually having things taken away isn't the worst thing and you have to appreciate the simplest things and that's right. exactly what i did you know you you have your lived experience to build something and very very cool so you just do it. It's kind of a recoloring of the question I had already asked you about is it the best thing or the worst thing. But if you could go back in time, would you allow this to happen to you again? Or would you, would you? Absolutely. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things about mistakes is if you do it right, it can actually become better than some of your best laid plans. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely uh, a person who has had that happen. There's a lot of screw ups. I've lived a lot of lives and a lot of, a lot of mistakes and, um, with the right people harnessing you and, and surrounding you, it's been, uh, you, you can end up actually better if you hadn't done something stupid. As long as you want to, yeah. and you have the support to <clears throat> encourage you to do that. Yeah. Okay. So last couple questions. So <laughs> it's all, it's all done. You got your passport and you can book anywhere you want to go. Where are you going for the first time? Portugal. You, yeah. Mainland or, or Azores? Azores. Yeah? Yeah. Why Portugal? Because the water is lush, the cliffs are high, and it's somewhere I haven't been before. Very and it has nothing to do with the fact that drugs are decriminalized, I promise. Okay. Okay. And second, second trip? Indonesia, because that's where like, I found my first piece. That's where I found my like, first... I was, I went to Indonesia and I came back a different person. Like, really? I lived there for... Is that a thing? Like, because I hear that all the time. What, what happens to people when they go to the, the Far East? What? Depends on the, on the person that's going. What happened to you? Um, I got to live with a, a Muslim family and I was, you know, 30 hours away. And I worked for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and they welcomed me into their life. And they just gave me... They were so giving and so they, they'll give you anything. They just like want to you to be happy and right. it's like, but they're also so happy with what they have. Right. And they're happy with like, without a fucking work nine to five schedule. Like they go to work when they want, but they get shit done. I've heard that over, over and over again about those cultures where they're, they don't have much, but they're happier and than all of us. And they just trust you. They trust you <clears throat> and they just love you. Yeah. You know, and they are excited to have you in their space. Well, here we're like, this is where, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and we're like, Oh, I'm too busy for this, too busy for that. And like, they aren't like that there. Mm -hmm. 
I've heard that. I'd, I'd like to experience that. Yeah. Um, you're a busy, you're a busy lady, so I don't want to keep you longer than we've had to. And this has been a good exercise for me to kind of like not be long winded and figure out how to do this within an hour. So thank you for that. Oh no problem. Um, is there anything in closing that you want to communicate with uh, anybody listening in terms of uh, your socials and sleepers information and things that are coming up with the company? You personally. Um, Your handle on Instagram. My handle on Instagram is at Comeback Snacks. My personal one is at Mstyle O'Brien, but it's not really my handles that matter. It's how you handle it that matters. So, I mean, you can post whatever the fuck you want, but if you don't live up to it, and if you're dishonest in the things that you do or say you do, it's, it's only going to catch up to you. And also, if you don't ask for help, or if you're, you know, you don't think you need it when you know you do, like, it's only going to come back at you. So. Give yourself tough love. Very good. Last thing. Someone's listening to you. Someone's listening to this episode right now in, in prison. What do you want to tell them? Call me when you're out. I got <laughs> you. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Emily O'Brien, thank you so much for taking a chance on our little show. And uh, we applaud everything that you're doing and will do. Uh, come back snacks. Don't applaud. Keep pushing me forward. Yeah, well, that, no applause. that too. And please come by for some, some brunch at the restaurants. I will. Sleepers on 5 TV. And yes. uh, Emily, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Rocky. Thanks, guys. Perfect.